0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here all week long. Uh, we have Kellyanne Conway at the bottom of the hour. We saw the recent poll that Trump has a slight lead over Governor DeSantis. I know it's so early, but the fact is, with all the controversy surrounding the former president, for him to still be the front runner is stunning. Usually, one mistake you're done. Uh, the president's always saying stuff that you would think that would destroy other candidates, uh, but it just doesn't seem to happen. Uh, we also know too. The, this is the biggest crisis currently that the former, uh, the current uh, president has ever been through. Uh, we know today the State Department will brief. Um, uh, the State Department will have a, a, a press, uh, a press availability. We'll see what that means for what's happening in Davos and what's happening with Ukraine. And we all know the uh, the president's going to be out in California, seeing about the damage through all those rains and all those floods he'll see it up close and personal. If it's like the border, he'll probably only go to the areas which is not affected by the floods and just talk to people that once lived live there. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com.
4: Number three.
0: There's clearly has been an effort to bring down the standards for our students in Virginia, to stop celebrating excellence. And this has countered everything we believe.
3: Governor Glenn Youngkin, stunning what's happening in New Low. Dozens of students in Virginia were secretly denied earned merit scholarships and more in the name of equity. There's outrage everywhere. And there's 17 separate schools in three separate counties in Virginia that did the same thing. Are we to believe it hasn't happened in other parts of the country? Certainly not.
5: Number two.
6: The accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans and the rain bombs.
3: Boiling the ocean, rain bombs, Hiroshima, what's wrong with Al Gore? Davos, full of anger and arrogance as they try and set the course for America and the world. What was said and
5: why we all should be embarrassed to say John Kerry and Al Gore speak for us. Number one, I am going to refer you to my white, the White House Counsel. I am going to refer you to Department of Justice. Uh, Department of Justice. I would refer you to Department of Justice. No, you would have to go to Department of Justice, and I would refer you to the Department of Justice.
3: Ugh. What an embarrassment! Karine Jean-Pierre, not just us, other media outlets also fed up with the clumsy, insulting deflections on Biden's document story. And more photos emerged showing how careless Biden felt with them. All clearly exposed to former hooker enthusiast uh, and now former tra- crack user Hunter Biden. Pictures of Hunter driving around in the uh, in the classic Corvette, which we know was located in the garage where there was top cl- top secret. Documents. We don't know what those documents are, but we know this looks really bad. So, the Washington Post has a story today. It looks as though the administration's trying to get some facts out as they see them. It turns out this Kathy Chung seems to be falling on her sword. As attention focuses on the documents they write, uh, documents path from the vice president's office to the Penn Biden Center. Biden's longtime executive assistant, Kathy Chung, has confided to associates that she is distressed, that she might have inadvertently been involved in moving or storing the classified material. Fall on your sword. But the problem is, Chung had no contact with the garage where another 10 documents were founded or the other rooms in which they were located. The whole scenario is still hard to figure out. But I think a lot of media outlets are getting really frustrated, and they actually want to get answers, especially in light of what happened in Mar-a-Lago with the classified documents and the raid on Mar-a-Lago where they got uh, 300 classified documents. president said, I just collected the folders, the former president, which is kind of interesting. Here is Corinne Jean-Pierre not answering anything ever. Cut one. Help us
0: understand, given the frequency with which President Biden works in Delaware, what is the case against having visitor logs? House.
5: So I'm I am going to refer you to my white, the White House counsel. I am going to refer you to Department of Justice, uh, Department of Justice. I would refer you to Department of Justice and any questions that you may have of us. I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House uh, uh, Counsel's office. No, you would have to go to Department of Justice. And I would refer you to the Department of Justice.
3: Yeah. And they called the Department of Justice and the Department of Justice goes, yeah, I have no answers. Plus, I didn't tell the administration not to comment on the case. I didn't uh, put any handcuffs on them. It's simply not the case. So listen to some of the exchanges that have been happening with other reporters. I mean, we ask direct questions, whether, no matter who's in there, whoever a reporter is. It's always been the way. Direct questions to both sides. You asked John Roberts, how good a job did he do with President Trump? In fact, President Trump got mad at him quite often. It just so happens that's the way it is when you got to ask direct questions. I think that makes everybody better, I would think. Listen to some of the conversation. Cut three.
4: Do you think it was proper for President Biden to
0: comment on an ongoing DOJ investigation?
5: So I'm going to say this, uh, and I'm going to keep it really short today. As it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing uh, legal matter, I'm going to refer you to the Department of Justice in, with the, that specific as it relates to uh anything that you want to ask of us uh, about uh this uh this legal matter i would refer you to the white house Counsel uh, office i'm, I'm going to leave it there not going go oh, to go into further
4: and i just I, you
5: I just commented i just comment. commented well, we're really moving comment on go ahead, go ahead go ahead go ahead go hand ahead hand. no go ahead i already answered your question I go I ahead
4: really
5: good. Good. well I, I i did no, you you well, it's, it's your it's your opinion. It's you your opinion. Answer, answer. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead.
3: Yeah, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. Uh, it's, oh, you just heard it. She doesn't answer any questions. Uh, I don't think she's making the effort to find out even what to say to allow people to complete their stories. So, so they had these three, four reporters who put together this story in the Washington Post. I think is significant. What happened? What made them go to the office that day when the University of Pennsylvania didn't say clean out the office? Why, in the middle of a term, would you say, i got to go over in November, i got to go over and get the Biden documents out? So one of the president's personal attorneys, as we know now, his name is Pat, uh, Pat Moore, went over to the U.S. Capitol uh, uh, so near, the, uh, went over to the 10-story building right near the U.S. Capitol. Um, it was looked at as they nicknamed it the front seat of power on a Wednesday, last November. We know it's November 2nd. Pat Moore went through a large closet and found nothing out of the ordinary. A person familiar with the matter, speaking on the condition of anonymity to discussions on the investigation. So they're looking to get this story out. Then he tackled a smaller closet. No, he didn't say it's locked. Finding it stuffed with folders, boxes, and other political memorabilia, including documents related to Bo's funeral, drafts of political speeches, and boxes of personal books. But next... Moore made a surprising discovery, a folder with a cover sheet saying it contained secret government documents. Moore immediately called other attorney, called another attorney and notified the White House Counsel's Office, which in turn contacted the archives, going to two people familiar with this. So they got a ton of sources, three separate reporters. But if, if the way they found the classified documents was out of the ordinary, because we still don't buy it, by the way, those are my words. Biden's lawyers were determined to be sticklers for the rules once it happened. These are their words. Those first decisions inside the airy office uh, complex at the Penn Center. And they give the address. A Northwest launched a 71-day push by the Biden team's federal archivist and the Justice Department to make sense of the startling discovery. It culminated in Merrick Garland's decision to everyone's disgust inside the White House to have a special counsel. Interviews with people directly involved in the discovery and the subsequent fallout provided new details And an effort to handle the crisis created the intersection of politics, intelligence, and law. Republicans and other critics say the White House was at minimum slow to seek the truth uh, and level with the public. Biden's aides say they were simply proceeding cautiously in a sensitive time. Really? Sensitive time. That's right before the election. Mid-November, communication has not previously been reported. Uh, This is new. A senior official in the Justice Department, National Security Division, wrote a letter to Bob Bauer, Biden's personal attorney, asking for his cooperation with the department's inquiry. The Justice Department asked specifically that Biden's legal team secure the materials from the Biden Center and refrain from further reviewing any other relevant arguments that might be stored at different locations. The Justice Department also requested that Bauer, given the Justice Department's formal consent to review the materials, that he provide a list of other locations where relevant material might be located. Hence the garage. Here's James Clyburn trying to minimize this old discovery, cut for.
6: I think all of us are concerned uh, about this. Uh, the president has expressed uh, concern about the handling of this as well. I don't think that any one of us believe that he packed up his boxes himself uh, to move out uh, of his office. Uh, and as you know, I just left my whip office. A lot of boxes were packed up. I think I may have packed one of them. So you have no idea. Uh, who may have put what in what boxes.
3: But I assume, Congressman Clyburn, that you did not have any top secret information. If you did, that's a story, whether you did or not. That's a story. And he also gave a warning yesterday to stop any Democrats who think the president might be vulnerable to run against him. He said the president should run for another four years, and he's got his backing. Keep that in mind, Gavin Newsom. So in a letter with the implication the Justice Department would take The letter said the Justice Department would take the lead in the inquiry, pave the way for Biden's team approach. They adopted a strategy of caution and deference, making only limited moves in coordination with federal investigators. They would determine the number of documents involved, their significance, and how they they were mishandled. They hoped they could earn the trust of the investigators, avoid comparisons of former President Trump, who's under federal investigation for doing the same exact thing, by the way. Instead, it yielded a political firestorm and repeated accusations of obfuscation, and instead of a speedy resolution, they now face a special probe. Why? Because fundamentally, there's no good way to do this. Tell the public, for some reason, that we haven't been able to surmise yet, that we have classified documents in Biden's midst, whether it's his garage, his former office, or the main part of the House. That's the only way to do it. And bottom line is, you can't have a soft landing, because you're supposed to tell the public, or else they're going to find out by themselves. We don't know everything. I don't think we have close to all the documents. One of his houses didn't have any. The other one they found on Saturday, and they found uh, five documents on Saturday. They found 10 in the garage, which is unbelievable, inexplainable. When I come back, I'm gonna talk about Davos, talk about the fallout here, get some other perspective on why this is not going away. And what do you think? Why do you think the other members of the press said of all the controversial things that happened, I have the new news that, old for us, that the laptop was real, the Biden, the Biden family business, the way the brothers are trading on their dad's name, the way their son was doing the same exact thing. Why is everyone interested now? I'll tell you what, uh, Congressman Gates, along with guys like Joe Rogan and others are saying, wait a second, the timing right before he's about to now have to re-election is no coincidence. I'm not going to go that far. Because everything that they've discovered, nothing's planted, nothing's synthetic. It's just discovery of things that have always been disturbing. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
7: It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks. It's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well,
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
6: If we treat this
8: in the, in the, for the challenge that it really is, almost like World War II, we got to move this. Because that's the only way we keep 1.5 degrees alive. So how do we get there? Well, the lesson I've learned in the last years, and I learned it as secretary, and I've learned it since, reinforced in spades, is Money, 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 money.
3: Yeah, right. In your pocket, pocket, pocket. Billionaires talking about to billionaires about the need to save Earth. We don't need you. We got this. Al Gore totally out of control. Listen to some of uh, Al Gore. Everything this guy put in his movie that got him his Emmy is in three hundred he left office. He was worth two million, he's worth three hundred million. Tell me what he's doing to help planet Earth. Cut 10.
6: Emissions are still going up. All these promises of the last few years to cut emissions, emissions are still going up. When are we going to bring these emissions down? The accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees. We cannot let the oil companies and gas companies and petrostates Tell us what is permissible.
3: Exactly. As I get in my private plane and fill up with some of the oil and gas, the jet fuel given to me by those horrible gas and oil companies. Listen, Al Gore, you're out of your mind. Where The oceans are not boiling. uh, We are not burning up. The North Pole has not de-iced like you claimed. 1977, the headline was surviving the ice age. Then it was of surviving global warming. When the globe stopped warming at the level that you pledged, all of a sudden, it's now climate change. So every time the wind blows, a tornado hits, it's because we have a Buick Skylark. That's the problem. Al Gore out of his mind and angrier than ever. You would think now that he's a single guy with $300 million with multiple houses without the ball and chain of politics or, or elections to worry about, he'd be a little bit happier. But he's not. Here is Mike Schoenberger and then I'll get to the phone calls. Cut 14.
0: It's a creepy event. I mean, these are... People that claim to be wanting transparency and openness. But as we discovered this week in our reporting earlier, they hide their own finances, both for the World Economic Forum and for the Klaus Schwab Foundation. Uh, It shouldn't be lost on people that this is a group based in Switzerland, which has the most restrictive uh, banking rules allowing for people, including criminal syndicates, to hide their wealth. It's a greenwashing exercise that uh, consists of people flying in by private jet. Promoting insect eating, yes, it's true. It's not a conspiracy. Promoting insect eating rather than meat eating to the masses. Telling poor countries they shouldn't use fossil fuels while they fly private jets everywhere. I mean, it's really a litmus test for who are the worst people in the world.
3: Tom, listen to the Fox News Radio app. Tom, you're in Boston.
4: Hey,
8: guys, how are you? Good, what's on you mind? Thanks for taking the call. I, uh, I completely agree with you. I'm ashamed to be from the same state that um, John Kerry's from complete lunatic. Uh, <clears throat> I would just say that um, as far as the southern border goes, wondering why we don't spend more time talking about where these people are coming from, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua. Why can't we as a country or as a western civilization go to these places and make them more politically stable so people don't want to leave? Because they're beautiful places. Mm-hmm. And and because um, years ago, there weren't people coming to the southern border as you know, in the in the numbers that they are now. And I feel like, you know, we could do a better job. Of well,
3: but, but Tom, the, one of the reasons they're doing it is because they know they could stay. Uh, and Equ- this is always going to be a better place in Ecuador, Nicaragua, Venezuela, uh, El Salvador, Honduras. It's always going to be better to be in America. And when you're told you get here, you get an NGO to give you a nice gift basket, then you can go to any hotel uh, and the best cities in the world, you're going to go. And, and then you're going you're gonna to sacrifice your savings in order to give it a cartel because they could probably execute the deal. Bill was on W.H.I.O. in Dayton. Hey, Bill. How you doing, Brian? What's on your mind?
8: Yeah, I just, you know, we keep talking about this, uh, you know, thing with Biden right now with the documents. But I think what we're missing is why is nobody talking about, you know, the the. Uh the, the, the professor, the fake professor that he was given, you know, that title, he never spoke there. Uh, he was paying 48. He had a free, you know, free house for 48000 a month. All the money that was funneling through there, you know, this is all done from endowments from an unknown China person. Why, why are we not looking at that? Why is that not the story? It's uh, going to get there. I, I get mean, you just stood up
3: hey, Bill, they just stood up the investigations. They don't want to overpromise. I don't think they should. Uh, they're just getting this information. We don't know what the documents say, but eventually we will. Remember, you got about fifteen whistleblowers. Come and come forward and talk about how politicized this is. That stuff's going to be key. Kellyanne Conway next.
2: information you want yeah. truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade
6: show is there, is there to, to
3: be gained though by being the first person out to, to challenge him
6: heck no i think that <laughs> i think the exact <laughs> opposite yeah donald trump has nothing to do right now right <laughs> and in part because he has no one to shoot at he has no opponent that's right so who wants to be the first one in the pool to be the one who's the target I think this is going to be a hang around the rim enterprise. Everyone's going to be waiting to see which way the rebound goes and whether they want to grab it or they don't want to grab it. And I think to go in early, huge political strategic mistake.
3: In July, January 28th, they understand the president, the former president of the United States will officially kick off with a campaign event which will have Governor Henry McMaster and Lindsey Graham as his captains in South Carolina, Kellyanne Conway, very tapped into all sides, all things, former senior counsel to president Trump and author of the book. Here's the deal. Uh, Kellyanne, what do you think about what governor Christie said? Does that from the opponent's perspective, is he right?
9: He's 100% right, Brian. Thanks for having me today. I've actually had that conversation with governor Christie. I think president Trump felt he had to announce early to show his base, but also a number of independents who clearly are not satisfied with the direction of the nation and the Biden administration's policies, that he, Donald Trump, would be willing to engage in a cage match rematch against Biden. Um, Others can wait. If you're Governor DeSantis, you just got reelected, or Governor Reynolds in Iowa, or Governor Abbott, Governor McGrath, they all got reelected with these massive margins. And they can wait. They can have their legislative sessions and then sort of, um, you know, suss out what's going on. But I'm not sure that that hurts Donald Trump. I'm not sure that it helps him or hurts him. I actually think he's doing better in recent polling than people who have written him off would admit. And at the same time, um, you know, I know Donald Trump very well. And he's also told me that, hey, you know, he used to be at 85 90% of Republicans, a little lower now. I like that a little better, meaning he loves the fight. He loves the competition. Right now, Brian, with just six short months to go before the first presidential debate in Milwaukee— the only person who's announced is Donald Trump. I mean, right now, if you had a debate, they'd be asking him two, three, two scoops or three scoops of ice cream, sir, and what's your favorite color? So someone's going to have to step up and oppose him, not just donors wish, wishing for it, not just um, we in, in the TV right. or poll, polling business uh, insisting that it's going to happen. But someone's going to have to step up and qualify to be in these debates. But I agree. People can wait, and I think that folks who aren't going to be able to raise the kind of money – that a Trump or a DeSantis or a few others can raise, um, they're going to have to do something creative. And that's what the debate stage allows them to do.
3: I heard a lot of big donors are holding out for more for DeSantis. Uh, Would you say that? I also see the president's upset that the evangelicals leaders have not endorsed him yet. He thinks they're being totally disloyal. Can you bring reality to that?
9: Sure. I can understand the feeling from uh, from the president that he feels uh, folks that he— had embraced and engaged and invited to the white house uh to to actually show the country to show the world transparently and with accountability brian that he was putting policies into practice that um that they appreciated religious liberty school choice obviously his entire pro-life agenda all the judges including three to the united states supreme court i mean he made good On those promises, and I I think uh, the president looks at endorsements as a way to for 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 folks to show appreciation, but also to show a seriousness of purpose in getting rid of Biden and Harris, which really is the name of the game. Um, Donors, donors have a way of always looking for the next big thing. I think nobody knows that better than Chris Christie. He was. um, practically begged by some of the biggest donors in the Republican and conservative movement when he had only been on the job for about a year and a half, Brian. And I, and DeSantis has a little bit more time under his belt, but donors don't pick the nominees. Uh, we don't pick the nominees. The voters do. And I, for one, don't like robbing people of their voice and their choice. I think competition, as we just saw with the speaker's race, I think competition is healthy right. for the party that says it's for competition.
3: So it was very interesting that uh, Mike Pompeo, by the way, uh, the president wrote a letter to Facebook saying, it's been a year, put me back on. And in Twitter, when they said, come back on, he said, no, nah, I'm going to keep my powder dry. Facebook is necessary. He used Facebook, and you would know better than anybody, in 2016 and 2020 uh, pretty effectively, right?
9: We did, Ryan, And I have to say, even looking back at 2016, where we were under-resourced and understaffed, being able to post a, a lot of information, but also just to buy ads, on Google, on YouTube, on Facebook made the difference. We rolled the dice and we did something a serious presidential campaign had never done, which is we committed half of our resources, roughly half of our resources to traditional television ads and another half to online ads. Um, it It was one of those cases of, necessity is the mother of invention because uh, we didn't have the same resources as Hillary, but it paid off and I think uh, most people are not watching television ads. They, they're on Netflix or on Apple TV, they're watching stuff on their phone as you know, they're streaming. And so this was a smart yeah. this was a smart risk. It paid off and I think for the president to say put me back on Facebook, um, I, I, I think Meta, the new, they're they're going to have to look at that very seriously, given the people they do allow on Facebook and a lot of the disinformation from the left that's there. Now it's different on Twitter because I think Elon Musk taking over Twitter, he's really changed the dynamic there, and it's, people feel like it's a much more equitable and fair platform now, not just a liberal, left wing cesspool. However, you know the president has a commercial interest in, in Truth Social. Uh, that's his. You know, he, he's yeah. making money from Truth Social, and so that's that's probably a consideration for him also.
3: Uh, There's a story out today, Mike Pompeo's book is out, uh, and it comes out on Tuesday, I should say, and evidently trashes Nikki Haley. He claims behind the scenes, Nikki Haley was scheming with Jared Kushner uh, to replace Mike Pence. Do you know anything about this?
9: I sure do. That's, that is true that there were people trying to get rid of Mike Pence off the ticket beginning in like 2018 or so. It's such a fool's errand in so many ways. And I do just wish that Ambassador Haley uh, had been more strong and more public, more resolute and more public, just saying, please don't talk about that. We have so much work to do here at the U.N. where she was the ambassador for less than two years. Um, and I wish she had just said that. And also it would have been such a mistake to try to replace Mike Pence on the ticket. I used to tell President Trump when when these rumors were circulating, when a friend of his placed an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about it, much to my surprise. Brian, I told the president straight on, you know who will punish you for that if you get rid of Mike Pence on the ticket? Women, because we women, we're used to being replaced by other women. <laughs> we're not. Women are not gonna like that at all, Mr. President. Um, but I also thought it was so naive from some of the political novices, uh, like Jared Kushner that I worked with in the White House, to, to actually think, well, let's just get rid of the vice president that, that was the other was the other half of the ticket, that frankly, Brian, helped bring a lot to the table as somebody who had strong ties to the evangelical movement, who had been in Congress for 12 years, right? Uh, eight or 10 years of which on the Foreign Affairs Committee, I believe, and had been governor of Indiana. Uh, he brought so much to that ticket. When you have a winning ticket, you stick with it. This whole idea, let's just get a woman, get a woman, get a woman. You know who did that? One Joe Biden did that. He sounded like a frat boy at the end of a keg party in the in the fraternity. I need a woman, I need a woman. And look what we got for it. Goodness, Kamala Harris. So I'm glad Secretary Pompeo has, has said this. Um and he's a listen, that is a great American. He's got an unbelievable, wonderful American And I wouldn't be surprised if he runs and if he reminds everybody that we had a secretary of state while all these great things were happening, Soleimani, Baghdadi, the Abraham accords that other staffers try to take credit for.
3: So, yeah, Mike Pompeo looks like he's going to throw in there. Uh, He says regarding Haley, who publishes a book, too, he said... Uh, Pompeo disparages both the role of the U.N. ambassador, a job that is far less important than people think, close quote. She has described her role as going toe-to-toe with tyrants. If so, then why would she quit such an important job at an important time? You want to weigh in? It's
9: an excellent question. No, I do want to weigh in because it actually, I actually took pieces of that out of my book because my book was so long. But I did have a piece in there about um, Ambassador Haley Leaving in October of 2018 and making sure she sat in the yellow chair in the Oval Office, which was reserved for heads of state, usually um, sitting next to the president, um, it, it, you know, it, by the fireplace. Everybody has seen it many times. She wanted to make sure that the MAGA base knew she was leaving on good terms. But here's what I never understood: you don't leave a job like that if there's still work to do. She went. She was making 200 grand a speech. That she wrote a book. That's her right, I suppose. Uh, well, definitely it's her right. But I did think she left a little too early and before many. Of those big, big um, results, big wins for this country and globally and domestically had happened. I also think I can't help but think because he's brilliant, Secretary Pompeo has taken a little shot at John Bolton by calling into question the job of the um, of the UN ambassador because, of course, that's a job he had before he was national security advisor and, of course, um, successful author. Uh, so, yeah, I, look and and I Secretary Pompeo because he is a humble person. I just don't think that he, you know, ironically, he's gotten his due from all the great oh, things know. that happened in the Trump administration. I mean, Jared Kushner's taken credit, some of the some of the ambassadors took credit, and certainly, I guess he he believes that um, Nikki Haley took credit
3: also.
4: Yeah. But I
9: think, look, that, Brian, this gives you a nice preview. I know of how Robert, have, how Robert it's going to be Robert tough on you.
3: A lot of these people, you're really good friends. Uh, they are
9: my friends. I'm so happy that they served and, and listen we need them all back in some capacity. There's no question about that. But don't don't count out, as my op-ed in the New York Times said last week, don't count out Donald Trump. Here are his vulnerabilities and his obstacles and his self-sabotage, and here are his opportunities. And one of them is that if one person runs against Donald Trump for president, the only announced candidate right now, Brian, if one runs against him, I think five or six will. And then he's going to stand there and watch them attack each other. The idea is that you'd only be attacking Trump. That'll get, that'll get old quickly. You could just, gosh, you could read social media all day or turn on one of those underperforming cable stations to watch constant attack. On Donald Trump, you don't need a president. You don't need a pre- presidential primary. Yeah. But I think they want to be attacking each other.
3: Yeah, I, I do. I've, I've looked forward to uh, hearing the debate because I've never heard Mike Pompeo say anything negative about Trump, on or off mic uh, or camera. And he's going to have to, with it with respect, say, "Listen, this is what I would do different. This is what I would have done." I actually thought Nikki Haley was unbelievable during all the Russia hoax and. Some people are saying, well, you know, look at Wolda there, there. I thought she was extremely strong against North Korea. She was very smart to negotiate direct line to. And Israel, yeah. Uh, I thought she was a real competent, so I think she'll be formidable. But she did say, I will not run against Donald Trump. Is she going to go back on that?
9: Yes, she already changed her mind. She gave an interview. I saw her. I know I I was um, probably 20 feet away from her at the Republican Jewish Coalition in November. We were both speakers there on the Saturday. I was the lunch speaker on Saturday. Ari Fleischer interviewed me. And at night, the two speakers were Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. So I watched them both 20 feet away from me. And she did. She did make very clear to that audience with the press in the room, it was open press, Brian, that she is seriously considering it. She's looking at it. So that was seen as going back on her initial promise. Yeah. Um, also, you know, we women in, in positions of of authority, it's very important that we not be Hamlet. It's very important that we not play into these stereotypes of, of being indecisive because it comes back to bite us more than men. I'll just say that um, as a generality. And so, you know, first she attacked, Donald Trump on January 7th, right after January 6th, she said, he, he, you know, he can never run again. He shouldn't be in the party. And then she went back on that. She tried to have a meeting with him. He said no. Um, and now, and then she said, I'll never run against him. Now she said she will. So I think whatever she decides, and I believe she probably is looking at this race very seriously. I think mm-hmm. whatever she decides, and I like her very much. I'm glad she served. We have a great relationship. We share a birthday. Um, she, Whatever she decides, I think the other – The other angle for Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, for example, her um, fellow South Carolinian, is that they want to bring to the presidential level, Brian, all these amazing gains in gender and racial diversity that the Republicans have realized very recently, including these 2022 and 2020 – 2022 midterms and 2020 at the House level particularly. She's got a great – Story to tell, but you know we we've been seeing more um, candidates of color, more female candidates, more veterans, for example, running as Republicans and succeeding as Republicans. And I think the argument is to be made: hey, it's time at the presidential level. Also, people will immediately compare it to Kamala Harris, right. which of course is going to go much better for Nikki Haley. And, than and the one Harris.
3: thing the president has, and no one can argue this, he's an immediately a lame duck. First time since Grover Cleveland. You know, He'll yeah, immediately there, be no a lame there. duck. So that would be something that you could say, hey, I love President Trump, but I don't think we should elect a lame duck. And therefore, and Trump can't say, how, how dare you attack me? He'll just be going with, well, that's the fact. Real quick, on the other side, your ass- assessment, Clyburn's getting nervous. He came out and said, let's make it clear. Joe Biden should be the nominee. I, I urge him to declare right away and said, if you want to run against him, keep in mind, Ted Kennedy tried that with Jimmy Carter and it hurt the party and Kennedy lost. Do you think that it's Biden's nomination to decide whether he wants it or not?
9: Yes, I do. I think that all this um, ridiculous spin about the 2022 midterms being great for Joe Biden um, has kept kept him cemented as the odds-on favorite to be the nominee. They're kind of stuck with him now. And the irony, Brian, is the only reason you can credibly say the midterms were, quote, great for Joe Biden is because Joe Biden was sidelined. He was. Very few candidates wanted him to campaign with them. They sent him to Union Station. That's not a swing state or a blue, <laughs> red, or purple district. It's a train depot. And so when when Biden and Harris's names are on the ballot next year, Biden and Harris must go and campaign. So it's going to be fundamentally different. But what a Congressman, Chairman, a Congressman Clyburn is saying also is he's warning other Democrats. He's basically saying to them, look, I'm the guy, and we have to give him this credit, I'm the guy who got— Biden the nomination because Biden was bleeding out, really, in these early contests and went to South Carolina with Clyburn's endorsement and won South Carolina. Um, But he's basically telling Klobuchar and uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren and others, uh, Gavin Newsom, don't pull any cute stuff. We need a clear path for Joe Biden. I think they're stuck with him and they keep making excuses for him. And now they're stuck Mm -hmm. with his, you know, this, this big glowing scandal over around the documents handling.
3: Very interesting, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Stay in the in the analyst role, uh, and she knows every side so well. It's uh, Kellyanne Conway. Thanks so much.
9: A real pleasure, Brian. Thank you. You
3: got it. 1-866-408-7669. I went a little long. Sorry about that, but I do have time for your calls. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
0: We're used to seeing Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow wearing his number nine on the field on Sundays, but he showed up to his news conference yesterday in a number eight jersey, and all the reporters there immediately asked him, what was going on? (laughs) I guess I put the wrong one on. (laughs) Well, so what happened was I forgot about the press conference, and so I also have
2: new pants on. And so I threw my jersey back on, but apparently it wasn't my jersey. Yeah.
4: Has it been that type of day? I guess
2: it's been that kind of kind of day, huh?
3: All right. Uh, Cincinnati's better get their act together. They're going to beat the Bills. They're going to try to do the game that was stopped because of uh, DeMar's collapse on the field. Thankfully, he'll, he should be on the sideline. So it'll be Buffalo against Cincinnati this weekend. This Joe Burrow with Cincinnati Bengals talking about wearing the wrong jerseys. That's kind of funny. Uh, just real-life human beings. Uh, get this. Press being treated like human beings. Tom Brady saluted them. We know you had a long season. We know you now have a tough job. And now you have Joe Burrows talking to him like human beings. They're not used to that. I wonder how they can handle that. one 866 7669 We talked about Davos. Did I tell you about this? Can you imagine winning a merit scholarship and not being notified for 50,000 people in Virginia through 17 separate schools? That was the case because this big push among superintendents and possibly principals and teachers to make sure these merit scholarships aren't handed out because they want equity, not equal. They want everyone to be equal and even the smart people that put in that extra time might be naturally gifted or just want to not play sports, not hang out with friends, just study. They awarded this. They were never informed. They went on to college or about to get the money. They don't get it. 17 separate schools. Now the governor's got to come out and pass a law that makes it illegal not to tell a kid that he's got a merit scholarship. Do you believe it's come to this? And do you think for a second it's just stopped here? This, the seeds to this type of mindset began when people got rid of class rank. To me, class rank is a great way to know how a student is compared to his classmates or her classmates, depending on how good or tough that school was. Then you have the SATs. Well, let's get rid of the SATs. Now get rid of the merit scholarships, and now tell everyone if you're Asian, make sure that they don't get in because too many Asians are in Ivy League schools. That's why they sued to get rid of affirmative action. Brian Kilmeade
2: Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: From 40th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yep, uh, heard around the country, heard around the world. A lot going on today, and we're, we're continuing to cover it. We know within an hour, we'll find out about the fate of Alec Baldwin, if he's going to be indicted or others uh, for the shooting of the cinematographer on the Rust set. Uh, there's not going to be a big press conference, just an announcement that's happening. It's up to the New Mexico Attorney General, I imagine. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Mark Thiessen, standing by, and Dan Belak from Ukraine. Uh, he's helping raise money, and he's part of that government. They lost their Interior Ministry yesterday, uh, ministry yesterday in a... Uh, helicopter crash. We don't think the Russians were involved in that. Uh, Zelensky did bring up during his address to Davos that he doesn't know if Vladimir Putin's alive or dead. You know, there is rumor the guy's got cancer. He does not look good. We know that for sure. Uh, let's hope he's dead. But I heard the next person could be worse. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. There's clearly has
0: been an effort to bring down the standards for our students in Virginia, to stop celebrating excellence, and this has countered everything we believe.
3: No kidding, uh, new low, dozens of students in Virginia were secretly denied earned merit scholarships and more and more in the name of equity. There's outrage everywhere, but it's happening outside Virginia and outside their 17 separate schools. The answer is sadly yes.
5: Number
6: two. The accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans and the rain bombs.
3: Boiling the oceans? Al Gore, you out of your mind? The answer, yes. Davos, full of anger and arrogance as they try and set the course for America and the world. What was said and why we all should be embarrassed to say John Kerry and Al Gore speaks for us.
5: Number one. I am going to refer you to my white, the White House counsel. I am going to refer you to the Department, uh, Department of Justice. I would refer you to the Department of Justice. No, you would have to go to the Department of Justice. And I would refer you to the Department of Justice.
3: Not just us. Other media outlets are all fed up with the clumsy, insulting deflection of Biden's document story. And more photos emerge showing how careless Biden felt with them. All clearly exposing uh, exposed to uh, hooker enthusiast Hunter Biden and his crack addiction, uh, we see the pictures. It tells the story. Uh, let's bring in Mark Teeson, The Washington Post, FoxNews.com. Mark, welcome. How big is this document story? And what do you think of the story in The Washington Post today, saying they've handled everything perfectly and the press is blowing out of proportion?
0: Yeah, it sounds like they they were trying so hard to follow the rules and just and then it backfired on them. Give me a break. I mean, first of all, they they intentionally misled the American people. So these, these documents were found in the Penn-Biden Center. Uh, on November 2nd, which was six days before the election. They were running a campaign, an anti-MAGA campaign, uh, that was highlighting Donald Trump's having classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago home to show that he and his followers were unfit for office, yet they didn't tell the American people that they had effectively done the same thing. Um, So that's, that's lie number one. Then they found more documents on December 10th, and by, it, it leaks in January, early January. Biden's in Mexico. He a, he's asked about the documents in the Penn-Biden Center and doesn't, can, doesn't admit that there had been more documents found in his home that had to leak out, so it's becoming by drips and drafts. And then the other thing that they haven't been upfront about is the Penn-Biden Center opened on February 8th, 2018. Joe Biden left office on January 20th, 2017. Where were the documents? Between in, in, in for more than a year before the Penn-Biden Center opened. They said that he opened, the, the, the Post reported today that he had a 12,000-square-foot office house that he rented out as an office in McLean. What was the security there? What were, were they there? Where were they? So there's so many unanswered questions. And the idea that Corrine Jean-Pierre can't, or you know, she can't put together a sentence, but can't say something so simple as, of course it was a mistake. Anytime you have classified documents that are not in a secure compartmented facility, especially top-secret documents, uh, somebody, did this, somebody made, an, made an error. And the president is upset about it. He didn't know about it, but he's gonna get, he, is in, he has instructed us to cooperate with the Justice Department and get to the bottom of it, and that's what we're
3: going to do. So here's the sparring. solve all of her problems. Right. I mean, at the very least, if she is not clear to say that, then don't go out. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, we remember so many times press secretaries to say, no, no briefing today. That's it. We went six months without, I think, a year without a briefing from President Trump because he didn't think he was being treated, his press secretary was being treated fairly. Little do we know she was going to turn on uh, Melania and the president and become a CNN contributor. Uh, Here's (laughs) Corrine, who isn't? Uh, Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre sparring with an NBC uh, reporter. Cut to.
0: We've all reached out to the Department of Justice, a law enforcement official tells NBC News the Justice Department has not told the White House that it cannot talk about the facts underlying the special counsel investigation into classified documents. So trusting you've received that same information, understanding the desire to be prudent, then why, why can't
6: you speak about the underlying facts?
5: we've been very clear when it comes to even underlying facts when it comes to specifics when it comes to something that is under the purview that is that the department of justice is looking at especially legal matters investigations we do not comment from here peter
3: unbelievable right i mean it, it, she's but, but, so bad at her job
0: she's so bad at her job i mean truly she's like the she's, you know the worst white house press secretary i've ever seen i mean it's just so simple you know it's the same mistake they made when biden didn't visit the border for two years Right. And so every day they get asked, when is Biden going to visit the border? Why won't he go to the border? Why is he visiting the border? Just go to the friggin border. And then you could say he went to the border. It's the same thing here. Make a statement. Deliver a statement. that You can figure out something you can say with like, look, this the we the president didn't know these documents. I'm talking as if I was a, I could do this job for her better than she does it herself. I could be a Biden spokesman. The president didn't know these documents were in the Penn Biden center or in his home. He was very upset when he found out about it. He takes classified documents, the, the, the handling of classified documents extremely seriously. He, it, it was obviously a mistake for those documents to not be in a secure compartmented facility and secure conditions. And he has instructed us to cooperate with the Justice Department in every aspect of this uh, investigation. And we will continue to do that. And then anytime somebody sa- asks her that question, say that. Instead of, I'm not going to comment, I'm not going to comment, I'm not going to
3: comment. Until the it's garage.
0: Communications 101.
3: But then the garage then just changed. Say some
0: things. version of the same thing. Yeah. It's like, it shouldn't be in the garage, shouldn't have been in the Penn Biden Center. We acknowledge that fact. We're cooperating. We're going to get to the bottom of how they got there. And the, there's a special counsel been appointed, and I'll refer you for more details to them. We'll have the White House Counsel brief you, uh, but and then every time somebody asks that uh, statement, say the president was very upset to find out about this. He didn't know, right? But you know, at that it was wrong. It was wrong for those documents to be there. We're going to find out how they got there. And So just say that over and over again. Say that.
3: Washington Post can. Than, Washington Post started. We don't know what made him. Could them go to the office to clean it out because the University of Pennsylvania said we didn't ask him to clean out his office. Why? Why are you cleaning out his office? So we know this. They even, in trying to explain this story, the Washington Post, Matt Viser, Tyler Pager, uh, Carol Lenong, and some other unpronounceable reporter all worked on this story, on what happened that brought them to the University of Pennsylvania to clean out this office. And basically it says one of the president's personal attorneys entered the luxury 10-story office building. You didn't tell us why. And when they go in there it's attorney Pat Moore, and he starts looking at a large closet, found nothing. A person familiar with the matter said, speaking on the condition of anonymity, that means they want to get the story out, said. Then he tackled a smaller closet, finding it stuffed with folders, boxes, and other political memorabilia, including documents related to Bo's funeral, uh, drafts of political speeches, and boxes of personal books. But next, Moore found a surprising discovery, a folder with a cover sheet saying it contained secret government documents. Moore immediately called another attorney and notified the White House counsel, and we started so no one no know, know what they didn't say? Locked closet. Because yeah. I don't think the closet was locked. And that's gonna add to how many people came back and forth through there. And then we don't even don't even know what was actually in the in the paperwork that could tell a story. But you wrote a column because everyone wants to compare this to Trump. Trump had over 300 documents, they say. Trump came out yesterday and said most of them were empty folders. I like the color of the folders. Uh, but you talk about something that we know was in there, a letter from Kim Jong-un. You say Trump declassified those letters. How do you know? Yeah. So first, on
0: on the previous point you made... I don't think you're being fair to Biden because any i, I just had my closet cleaned out the other day and I hired a lawyer to do it. you did everybody has was lawyers. he 80? Everybody, hire, everybody has a lawyer to uh, to to clean out their closets. That's what we normally do right. so you just send a freaking <laughs> intern to clean out your closet right <laughs> you get back up the boxes. Why would they send a lawyer to clean out the closet if they weren't? Because my about surgeon was busy
4: was
0: <laughs> exactly. my doctor was busy <laughs> my my neurosurgeon wasn't available, so I had so I had my lawyer do it. I mean of course, every American hires a lawyer to clean their closet, so yeah, right, please. Um, but, yeah, on, on Trump. So, first of all, hundreds of documents, including top secret documents, uh, shouldn't have been there, okay, started at that. But two of the documents that people talk about are these letters that he received from Kim Jong-un, which discussed the nuclear, nuclear issues and that this issue was highly classified. And they, as evidence, they cite the fact that when he was president, he showed them to Bob Woodward in the Oval Office. And that this is proof. And he said, now, these are uh, these are really super top secret, uh, Bob. So be very careful with these. And so they say that's proof that he knew they were secret. No, it's proof that he declassified them. The president of the United States can't leak under the he has ultimate classification and declassification authority. He doesn't have to follow any rules. He doesn't have to follow executive orders because he wrote the executive orders, so he can make exceptions to them. So if he wants to make something unclassified. He has full authority to do that. How does he do that? I had this experience with him when when I interviewed him in the Oval Office, and he revealed to me a top-secret covert operation in which acknowledged that he had done it, in which he launched a cyber attack on the Russian troll farm that had interfered in the 2016 election and was trying to do so again in 2018. That was a top-secret covert operation. When he told me that, he didn't leak it. He declassified it. Because the president can't leak. If he shares something with a Washington Post columnist, it is therefore declassified once he did that. Same thing with the Woodward, the documents by showing them to a Washington Post reporter, they're no longer classified because he has given them to the media. He's given them to one of the most famous reporters in the country. So at least those, and he he didn't give Woodward. He chose not to give Woodward. His replies to the letters, because he said those were too classified, that probably included a lot of information that he didn't want to want to get out. But the letters from Kim, he did. So those letters, he declassified. And so therefore, if those were found in Mar-a-Lago, the, he'd got proof that he did that. Now, there is no evidence to say that the other hundreds of documents he declassified while he was president. He says he did it, but there's nothing to co- to contemporaneous to show that, and he lost his declassification authority on January 20th at noon when he left the White House. So we don't know about the rest of the documents, but at least those two, which everyone's held up as being the nuclear secrets that he had s- sitting around in Mar-a-Lago, those were clearly declassified while he was president of the United States.
3: So we know this. Uh, it looks like the chief of staff, his longtime assistant, uh, Karen Chung, says that she feels terrible that she might have been responsible for the records, the Cap- oh, Chung had worked on Capitol Hill uh, of, and was recommended actually by Hunter. Uh, Chung had confided in associates that she is distressed, that she might have inadvertently been involved in the moving of stored classified material at the center of this whole thing. And by the way, she has sat down for an interview. The administration wants this to go away. They'll get it to go away if we don't, you know, shut, if we shut down the government Or if something else big happens, uh, what do you think? How do you think this administration has uh, makes this the third story, the fifth story or the 20th story?
0: So, first of all, hanging out the executive assistant is really low class. You know, the the, the reality is, is that if she was able to take top secret documents and put them in a folder that went to the Penn Biden Center because they were mixed up with other documents, that is a. Responsibility of the chief of staff of the, of the vice president who set a culture in which classified di- documents were treated in that way while they were in the vice president's office. They should not be – I was in – I had an office in the West Wing in the, in the Bush administration. I had top-secret SCI clearance. I used top-secret SCI documents all the time. I had a safe in my office where I kept them. If I got up to go to the bathroom, i put them back in the safe because I would not leave them lying out on my desk. If I was was going, you know, so there was never a situation where I had a top secret FBI document in a pile of papers on my desk that I left there that I could have put in a box somewhere. So you know, it's just it shows a blatant disregard and a culture within the within their office of mishandling classified information while they're in the White House. The Vice President's office is not a skip. I've been in it. It's, it's a, there people without security clearance come in to meet with the vice president all the time. I met with Vice President Mike Pence when he was vice president, and, and I had no longer had a security clearance. He didn't have top secret documents lying around when I was in there. So th- this, this is not an excuse. And laying and, and put, putting her out to dry is just absolutely just shows what, what, what bad people these people are. Um, how do they make it go away? Uh, by getting cleared by the Justice Department in some way of wrongdoing. Until then, it doesn't go away i mean I'm, I'm sure that Republicans would be more than happy to give them an excuse by shutting down the government or defaulting on the debt uh, you know to to uh, to do that. and oh, by the way, that would another topic for us to discuss at some point in greater length. That would be a beautiful move for us to do something to harm the economy so that Biden can stop talking about the Putin price hike and call it the McCarthy price hike so he can blame us for the economy. We've got the worst economy Americans think in a generation. They blame, majority of Americans blame Joe Biden for the economy. And Republicans are about to say, hold my beer, I'll take over here and, and take ownership of the, of the bad economy. We should do absolutely nothing to harm the economy and allow Biden to blame us like he's blamed Putin for, for, for the disaster that he's unleashed.
3: Uh, we have so much more to talk about, Mark, but I'm up against a break. Uh, thanks so All much. Right. Put it in perspective. We've got to talk about the, the Ukraine war, which I'm going to do with Dan uh, with Dan B- Bilak from Ukraine at the bottom of the hour. Excellent. All right, go get him. Uh, he is Mark Thiessen. Thanks, Mark. When we come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 7669 You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show
2: giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
6: The only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, To believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. The way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it has trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that.
3: Constantine Kissin, born in the Soviet Union, came to uh, Britain at 11 years old. He was speaking at Oxford Union, satirist, very uh, popular podcast host, speaking up to this next generation to stop complaining and start working and stop with this green mania. Love it. Brian, you're listening in North Dakota. Hey, Brian.
10: Hey there, Brian. Good day. Happy New Year to y'all.
3: Back at you. What's on your mind?
10: Well, two real quick points. Number one, the the big thing is, number one is I've had top secret clearances in the military before, and you have to have the right to know and also have to have a need to know. And Vice President Biden, as VP, uh, never had the executive privilege to be able to remove documents from the White House or uh, places security. And on top of that, um, he also uh, never had the right or the clearance, well, to remove them outside of that, so he's never had that privilege. The second one is, is that having the, his attorneys going in and doing the search and not having law enforcement. Now, when you come to a point where this may hit, hit a hearing or so forth, um, the attorneys all they have to say, well, this is now his attorney-client privilege, and it scrubs uh, President Biden from any Ill- illegalities as to how they were stored, where they were stored, when they were stored. So he, it's now completely scrub clean.
3: Yeah, uh, all good points. Uh, all important. Uh, we'll see where this goes. They're trying to explain it away, but they can't explain it because they, uh, no one gave them a heads up on it. And I really question whether uh, Joe Biden knew about it. And if he didn't know about it, that means there could be other documents everywhere.
2: radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
9: We truly need
3: to continue with the support of Ukraine, to continue with supplies of necessary. The supply of
0: Ukraine with air defense systems must outpace Russia's next
7: missile attacks. The supplies of Western tanks must outpace another invasion of Russian tanks.
3: So that that was Zelensky yesterday addressing those billionaires at Davos, uh, saying, guys, thanks for everything, but we need more. We need it quicker. Uh, The Russians have an offensive going on, and we did notice they evidently might have a draft announced soon and and calling up 500,000 people. They don't care how many bodies they bring back. Daniel Bilak is a member of the Territorial Defense Force of Ukraine, former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine and head of Ukraine Invest. Uh, Daniel, welcome back. It looks like the Russians are on a semi-offensive to a degree. Would you characterize it that way? Well, I think that
8: I think that they are they are preparing for an offensive. I mean, they are they've been focusing on getting anything that they can get to to show success. Uh, and they focused an enormous amount of uh, resources, human and, and, and weaponry, in the Donbas around Bakhmut and Solodar, which which are not hugely strategic places. Brian, I mean, they're 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 sort of pitbulls on the back end of you know what. And uh, uh, but you know, it, it, he has to show that he's got some successes. And uh, but the, the bigger the bigger concern is that they are digging in in the south, in the east, in Zaporizhia and Kherson. And uh, we've got, we've had a lot of activity in Belarus on our northern border, um, and and they haven't given up on the Donbass yet. So they're they're not going to go away. They're not going to give up. They're going to double down. Um, they're going to need more people. And as you just absolutely correctly said, they don't care how many people die on their side. He's prepared to take 250,000, 300,000 dead I mean, this is the way Russia has always fought wars. Stalin, you know, sacrificed a million men to take Berlin. You know, the, for them, it's, 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 it's all about the guys at the top getting their way.
3: So Germany and the U.S. are loggerheads over tanks. Germany saying we will give leopard tanks only if, the, only if the U.S. gives tanks first. What can you tell us about this?
8: You know, Brian, it, it, it boggles my mind. I mean, you know, actually, Germany is the second largest supplier of weapons to Ukraine after the United States. But the only thing anybody remembers about Germany is they don't want to give Ukraine tanks. I mean, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. And I, and I don't understand the, the fetishism uh, around this. Uh, the You know, the the Leopard 2s, unlike the American Bradleys, which I get why the United States is not going to send them. These are like the, the Formula One race carters of the tank industry. And, you know, you just get you know, the, the logistic lines, the maintenance lines. It's just too complicated. But we're getting Bradleys and we're getting lots of other stuff that we can use on the ground. But the German Leopard 2s, as far as I understand, would be ideal for Ukraine. There's plenty of them. There's like 2,000 of them in in, in Europe. You know, you can put in supply lines and logistic lines and maintenance centers, and, and there are lots of people know how to fix them. Our guys will learn how to, how to drive them and, and use them in, in no time flat. Um, you know, why Germany is, is so reluctant to do this, I don't understand. The whole escalation argument doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've We've crossed so many Russian red lines uh, without having any materially different response from what we would have gotten anyway. I mean, they're bombing us into the Stone Age uh, as it is. So I don't know what kind of escalation, what more we could be, we could be waiting for. They're not going to go nuclear over this. That's clear. Um, so I don't get the reluctance. I really, I really don't. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I hope it changes. There's a there's the big powwow in Ramstein uh, tomorrow, where the Germans are talking up a uh, big announcements. So so maybe maybe that'll be their uh, uh, their come to Jesus moment, you know, when they when when they give it to us. But uh, uh, you know, we need this stuff, Brian. We need tanks. We need the long range uh, attackums, the the long range weapons, and you know, we, we just pray for airplanes, although that's not in the cards right now. But going the launch a of major offensive, this is the stuff you launch major yeah. offenses with. You don't have to be a military strategist to figure that part out.
3: So uh, the Wagner Group is taking key credit for taking a city outside Backmont. They said that it's a key city because uh, they could mess with your supply line lines as you move forward?
8: Well, I mean... You know, for the Wagner, this is this is all an internal uh, uh, drama that's being played out in Russia right now between the owner of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, who's trying to uh, move up the food chain in in, in Putin's uh, uh, close uh, close close quarters, and and you know they they have lots of different reasons why they, they need to do it. But yeah, I mean, losing Bach would not be great for us. It would it would compromise uh, the gains that we have made in the Donbass, But it's it's not fatal. And and the amount of, of men and weapons that they've used is completely disproportionate to the gain that they were going to make. It's not going to make a big difference to the outcome of the war at the end of the day.
3: All right, I will, we'll see what happens. How close? I understand you have. Uh, there are some Ukrainians in the U.S. training on the Patriot system. What have they told you about the timing of implementation?
8: We understand from uh, from American sources that uh, it takes about three months to train on a on a Patriot system. Um, our guys have proven that they can. You know, they said that about HIMARS too, and our our guys did it in about three weeks. So, uh, i I'm, we're we're very motivated. Our people are technically smart. Um, I suspect that, you know, within six, six weeks, that's what I'm hearing from people here, that we should be ready to go. Um, but, you know, we, it, it takes a while. At least it takes about 100 men to, to man a patriot system, I understand. So it's, it's not simple. And we need a few more hundred than that because the, the Dutch are giving us a Patriot system. Uh, 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 the, the, I think the Germans are giving us a Patriot system uh, to boot. So we're, we're, we, we need to have a, a really good cadre of, uh, of people mm. trained on these things so that uh, we use them effectively. And we need them because they're starting to lob ballistic missiles at us that we can't see. The last, uh, on January 14th, uh, the missiles that went into, that killed all those people in April uh, which was just just a horrific horrific uh, a thing to bear. I mean, two kids are now orphaned. Uh, they have 46 people are dead. I mean, it's 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 it, it's just just satanic what they're doing, Brian. And we didn't see those missiles. We we don't have anything that'll knock them down. And so those Patriots are are absolutely critical to us. There was a plane that landed in uh, in Belarus today carrying a hypersonic missile. That, that we're not going to be able to stop with what we've got.
3: Has they, have they already hit you with a hypersonic glycella in Lviv?
8: They, they did. I think it was Ivana earlier on. They were sort of trying it out. But, uh, you know, it, it, it freaked out the, uh, the Biden administration, I recall. Freaked everybody out. But they don't have a lot of these. Um, so, I mean, using them on civilian targets is just beyond insane. Uh, but... That's what they seem to be. So, we're, you know, we can expect just about
3: anything. Yeah, I mean, that's how you use a hypersonic missile to go, uh, to, you know, to go over such, such a close target. You're not going to lose nuclear weapons because it's going to blow right back into your country. Uh, and did you glean anything from Vladimir Putin's remarks this week?
8: Uh, which, which one? I think
3: he made remarks about a uh, just talking about how this has been a tough year. Uh, overall, I don't read all his remarks that he says, but I know he addressed him. People well, expected him to announce a 500,000 call-up, and he didn't.
8: Yeah, I, I I actually don't expect him to announce a 500,000 call-up. He'll do it more obliquely, and I think maybe that's what he was referring to, because, uh, you know, he, although people in Russia are, are starting to, you know, he's, he knows his people, that, you know, this slave mentality, nobody's going to challenge the Tsar. And, you know, they're all fighting NATO, even though NATO's not on the ground. And so they're they're like lambs and sheep to slaughter. Uh, they're gonna line up and, and, and go to war. I, um, you know, I don't know that he's gonna get 500,000. I don't think he's, there are 500,000 that can be mobilized at this point. Uh, it means there'll be nobody left to work in Russia, um, but sober anyway, and uh, uh, I, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know how he's going to make the announcement. I think that they've been, they haven't stopped mobilizing, even though they said they did. They uh, the, all our indications on this side, from what I'm reading, is that they just continued to to be mobilizing throughout. So he'll get to whatever numbers, or he'll try to get to whatever numbers he says he'll need. But you know, you've got to feed these people, you've got to equip them properly. You know, you, you can only throw so much meat at the, at, at our lines. And, and that's why we need the weapons, Brian. We've got to take these guys out. Um, and we need to take them out at scale and in massive numbers. And, uh, you know, the equipment that we're, we're asking for, for from, from our allies is, is going to help us do that and help us do our counteroffensives, especially in the south, if we can cut their land bridge to, uh, to Kherson and Crimea. That, that changes the outcome and the course of the war.
3: Anything come out of Davos uh, and, for you guys?
8: Um, I mean, I, I don't say, I mean, Davos is a talking shop. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's, nope. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of jawing, but, uh, um, you know, I don't think any decisions get made there. There's some meetings. I thought the first lady was very effective, Olena Zelensky, in, 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 setting out the fact that, you know, making the case that we really need to have this uh, stuff. Even Henry Kissinger, you know, uh, they rolled him out and he said, you know, I was wrong. We should we should have Ukraine in NATO, you know. So that's that's. I don't know if that's an endorsement these days or not from coming from him, but you know it shows that people we may have reached the tipping point. I really hope we have, where the administration and our allies are not just reacting to situations on the ground, but finally saying, okay, we got to get this done. Because the longer people react, the more of our guys die, and the more civilians die in these in these in these heinous bombings. And 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 people freezing to death because we don't have uh, heat and electricity. I mean, you know, either you're going to allow Putin and enable Putin by saying we're not going to do this. We're not going to give thanks. That just enables him. And then he says, OK, I'm just going to wake them out. I'm gonna I'm going to we're going to do We're going to fight this war for two, three years because I'm winning this war because this war is being fought in Ukraine. It's not being fought in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so I can paint this as a victory and you know we're not gonna there's no way that 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 we could last two two three years uh without the further support of the west and and you know how how much more is you know two three years is a long time to ask anybody to to be to be involved in a war that they're not involved with directly and frankly the longer this thing goes on the more chances of the west getting involved are 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 greater and uh and you know it's it's as i said you and i have talked about this before You've got the deal of the century. You know, we do the fighting. We do the dying. You give us the weapons, and you get the benefit.
3: I hear you. Uh, Daniel Billack, uh, stay safe. Thanks so much.
8: God bless. Thank you to the people of the United States of America, as always.
3: All right, uh, Daniel, thank you. When we come back, uh, what do you think about that? A lot of people are saying, hey, we're tired of financing this. I am not one of them. you listen to to Brian Kill me, Show.
2: Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. So, uh, Allison, you said you have something that I'm not expecting.
11: I do. So do you have, like, any connection to Freeway Love and Aretha Franklin? No. No. Okay. So I might have received a video from someone who is working diligently outside of your office between 6 and 9 a.m. while you're on Fox and Friends when suddenly this comes blaring out of your office. (laughs)
3: So, I, see, this is the theory. I heard some murmuring about this. So, evidently, my television was on. And I must have alerted my Alexa somehow. So my Alexa started playing a song, and I'm thinking, why that song? And we were trying to figure out why that song. I did mention about the school situation, how they don't let you win the merit scholarship. Nobody cares about winning anymore. Everyone's equal, equity. So I said, people got to go out there and try to win. And if you see winning, they thought, they thought it was Tina Turner with winning in there. Is that says Aretha Franklin.
11: Well, we did um, like an app and had it listen to the song, and it said it was "Freeway of Love," Aretha Franklin. So that's that's where our money is.
3: Really, because I heard it was winning, uh, and it was uh, something to do with what we said. So Alexa went off kind of on its own on my words on television,
11: perhaps, and, and perhaps you know, she did it twice. You know, we have a little bit of the second one too. <laughs> It was also coming out of your office, blaring. These people were not sitting close to your door. Ah, it was so
6: loud.
3: It is so loud? It was really loud. Wow. Did you go down there? Did you go up there and check it out?
11: No, no, we did not go. In. We got videos. People that were sitting out there did a video of it because no one could believe there's suddenly
3: just rap coming <laughs> out of Killmead's ah. ah. office. Well, here's the thing. That little Alexa can really blast. It's amazing, isn't it?
11: She, I mean, my question is, how loud did you have her turned up and yesterday? Am I, am I
3: alerting people around the country? Did I use the word Alexa or Alex or excellent? Are you doing that now? Right. <laughs> Am I doing it now? Like if I say Alexa, put on the Brian Kilmeade show, did I just put on everyone's Alexa just now? Hopefully. And I should be doing that. I hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. That's you should great. do that
11: on TV because if people are already listening to us, they already have it on.
3: Right. Uh, I should say that on TV. That would have been good. Uh, all right. So that's one of the mysteries of life. I'll have to play that down and really look into it. I'm not sure I've ever played that music. So it's not like you come, It's not like you're tapping into my playlist. This I is mean, the playlist of Alexa.
11: So you say we're taking your word here that you're right. just not blasting this on your own.
3: <laughs> I think it would do good for my image to have rap in my background. That's probably or at least true. Been a rapper, but not true about Freeway of Love. Uh, right? Is Freeway of Love something? Is it like free love, or is it like love is a you know you go on the freeway and get love? I,
11: mean, I have not analyzed her lyrics. But we can do that uh, during the next break.
3: Roy, listen, WVGA in Valdosta, uh, uh, Georgia. Hey, Roy.
10: Good morning, Brian. How are
3: you? Good. What's on your mind?
10: Well,
8: I was listening to the program and you made a question about if Biden doesn't know where the documents came from or how he got in possession of them, what else might he have that he's not supposed to have? And it just begs the age old question, was it? better to be stupid or incompetent so i I just wanted to get that out there i mean put it this
3: way i mean what is more likely this to get stuck in a closet his chief of staff says oh it's probably my fault but who puts it in the garage i mean does he and if he if he says i i don't know how it got there and it's true he doesn't know how it got there forget about what else is in his wake and I just go back to the University of Delaware. I think there's a Biden school at the University of Delaware where they keep his paperwork. I mean, right now, you got to be rifling through that. And now we find out that they're being, ac- they're being accompanied by the Department of Justice. At the very least, it totally neutralized and stopped the talking point that Trump acted irresponsible in Mar-a-Lago. Because the minute you bring that up, he's going to go, really? What was next to my Corvette? Nothing. You know, what was I doing in a garage? Nothing. What I did is put it in a secure location in Mar-a-Lago. Let's debate that. And at least we had Secret Service there. And you sure this isn't Team
11: to Turn, Turner? It's Aretha Franklin. Positive about that.
2: news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian kilmeade
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from a very rainy 48th and 6th in midtown Manhattan. Um, And we're heard around the country, around the world. Uh, Paul DeGelder is going to be here. So I have somebody to look forward to in terms of guests this hour. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you, Kennedy. That really hurts your feelings, doesn't it? (laughs) And Paul DeGelder is the host of Discovery Channel Shark Week and author of the new book, Shark, Why We Need to Save the World's Most Misunderstood Predator. Uh, you wrote the book Kimmy, out in so in uh, against sharks. Yeah. So he's your rival.
1: I- I'm surprised we're not going to be in the studio at the same time. Obviously, that can't happen. Right. So, number one because of the sexual chemistry, but right. number two because we're both so passionate about this issue, we'll tear each other limb from limb.
3: True. Uh, and later you'll go into detail about your passion for sharks and your against sharks.
1: I'm against my passion against sharks. I feel like they're they know where I am.
3: Right. Um. Pretty much uh, the good news for you is they're regulated to the ocean. What a relief. Uh, Kennedy's here. She's hosting Kennedy at 7 o'clock. They're like turtles. Right. Um, Hey, Kennedy, before we find out, uh, we have breaking news to go over. But first, let's go through the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
0: Number three. There's clearly been an effort. To bring down the standards for our students in Virginia, to stop celebrating excellence, and this is counter to everything we believe.
3: That is uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin. New low: dozens of students in Virginia secretly denied early earned merit scholarships in the name of equity—the worst word in the English language. That's out. That it's outrageous, and believe me, it's likely not just held in Virginia. Seventeen schools are involved. We need to stop it.
4: Number two.
6: The accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans and the rain bombs.
3: What is he even talking about? Al Gore, what an embarrassment. Davos, full of anger and arrogance as they try and set the course for America and the world. What was said and why we all should be embarrassed to say John Kerry and Al Gore speak for us. Number
5: one. I am going to refer you to my white, the White House counsel. I am going to refer you to the Department, uh, Department of Justice. I would refer you to the Department of Justice. No, you would have to go to the Department of Justice. And I would refer you to the Department of Justice.
3: What an embarrassment. Karine Jean-Pierre, not for uh, not uh, not just us. Other media outlets also fed up with the clumsy, insulting deflection on Biden's documents. And more photos emerged showing how careless Biden felt with them, all clearly exposed uh, Bye to his son, Hunter, who's a hooker enthusiast and wants smoke crack over and strippers, over again. Strippers,
1: not hookers, okay? All right. Sorry,
3: that was my fault. I'm going to fire my copy editor. Um, <laughs> strippers, not hookers, and then I'll, that's how you went down. You have to go home and explain that to your uh, loved one. Yeah, got fired today. Hookers, not strippers. He had no choice. Um, strippers, he,
1: not hookers.
3: Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, Kennedy, your show starts at 7, but we have breaking news now. Uh, Alec Baldwin, they were supposed to announce his status on the horrible shooting and on the Rust set, uh, and he, along with the armor who loads the gun, looks like they're charged. Uh, two counts each. Un- involuntary manslaughter, the main one, could result in prison time.
1: Yes, uh, there are two involuntary manslaughter charges, both of which are a... Uh Fourth-degree felony. There you go. There's that. That's for you. Do you want this? Do you want this back? No, go ahead. This is is other paper. Um, And it is a fourth-degree felony punishable by up to 18 months in prison. Both those count. So they could be seeing three years in prison each.
3: Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is the the film's armor, uh, and she will also be charged. uh, And uh, We were just going over this. She's not the most experienced prop person in the world. Alec Baldwin will be charged, even though he says he didn't pull the trigger, uh, the trigger went off with the gun in his hand.
1: Guns don't shoot themselves.
3: Right. So he was also, I wonder if this played a role, the fact he's executive producer of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And is it- he, he is in charge of personnel, their competence, how the set is run, obviously staffed. Uh, those decisions fall to him, and it, especially being the star of the show, He kind of has to produce himself. So he has double the liability there.
3: Yeah. So So, this
1: this investigation is is taken quite some time and there's always a fear that something like this is being slow walked. So people forget about it. And then they just kind of secretly dismiss the charges. I'm actually happy to see that this was a thorough process. Uh, It appears to be well thought out and executed. And he, he, should face the music, this is, you know, a, a young mom and he took her life.
3: You know, I didn't do the investigation, but you know, it was definitely involuntary. Nobody doubts that. Number one, they were absolutely friends. So no one doubts that. Uh, number one, number two, is said he's refused to speak to the husband because he said, well, you're suing me, so I can't speak to you, evidently. So he's like, he's off the Baldwin is sorry train. So I'm sure there's going to be all types of different suits about that. I can't believe they're still going ahead with the movie.
1: Yeah, maybe they feel well. You know, we've gotten this much good press. We may as well release it now.
3: Go watch, go finish it up, and watch Russ. You talk about a guy's uh, fall from. He didn't have grace. I get it, but famous,
1: very talented. I mean, even if he did, great actor politically, which I do. I've met him a couple times always a really nice, affable guy, you know, goes out of his way to, he's one of those people, he's like Bill Clinton. Have you met Bill Clinton? Yes. Yeah, so he has that charm that. If he, he chooses
3: to turn it on. Yes, what, what's that, real is the key.
1: Yeah, yes. But if, if he wants to win you over, it's a uh, full court press.
3: Right. Uh, and if he doesn't, he will try to beat you up. Like, for or example, maybe you would take his barking fiddle his bark. with
1: your brakes. Right. Allegedly.
3: <laughs> is that true?
1: That's why I said allegedly. Oh, that's okay. That's the blanket term that right. lets you pretty much say anything about anyone anytime.
3: All right. So there's not good news for Alec Baldwin. Almost. Oh, dear God. Oh, apologize. Lord. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Oh, heavens to Murder. That's not good. Uh, oh, there's that. That went in there, and here's
1: your
3: iPad. So what happened is I put my hand up and I knocked my iPad into the garbage.
1: I was worried there were empty, half empty cups of coffee that were going to soil your device.
3: No, good news, all beer. Ooh. So that's, that's <laughs> a good beer, news. All beer, all empty. Yes, all empty. Uh, that's why the third hour is usually the most entertaining. That's why let's get save Kennedy for the last hour. I tell
1: Pete, never book me before 11.
3: Right, whoever Pete is. I don't really meet the staff. Oh. Yeah. I don't, it's not up to me. Am I
1: not supposed to be here? <laughs>
3: I'm sure. Is this
1: some deranged <laughs> fan that's booking me on your show? I'm
3: pretty sure. Yeah, there is no Pete. So you might be in the wrong studio. Uh, and I'm not really sure. Guy, and, you look great. Yeah, Thank you. thank you, Guy Benson, you're referring to. Yep. So Alec Boulder, not good news. But we can end it there. So what did I tell you? Uh, how many times I walk up to you and say, well, how can you just stand there? The oceans are boiling. How many times I walk up to you? And say,
1: I mean, hey. I, I thought you needed to either up the voltage or your double your medication.
3: Right. So Al Gore leaves office. Evidently, when he went in, I was just reading a lot about Al Gore because that's how empty my life is. Is uh, that your next book? Al Gore. You'd go from
1: Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln to Al Gore. To
3: is there any just difference? Just the greats. It's very similar just to biographies. Just swap out the pictures. Same <laughs> story. Uh, the way I write it, I write very generically. I want to I get didn't know Al old. Gore is
1: from Illinois.
3: Right. You didn't know he was born in a cabin. So Al Gore's dad uh decides to help him become a congressman. When he's done as vice president, they say he's worth 2 million dollars. Now he's worth 300 million dollars. It's amazing I want his how well it's paid. how well you get paid to save the earth. Yeah. And you make stuff up. Like for example, the North Pole will no longer have ice within 10 years. Can't even call it a pole. Still cold. Yeah. Yeah, well, do you do you, I didn't know they called it a pole because of the cold. I got to look this stuff up. Why am I so unprepared people, to do this people, interview?
1: A lot of people don't know that, Brian, right. but right. I, if, if you don't trust the science, you don't trust me.
3: <laughs> ah, okay. Wow, you really put me on my heels. Here's Al Gore acting totally rational in Davos. Cut 10.
6: Emissions are still going up. All these promises of the last few years to cut emissions, emissions are still going up. When are we going to bring these emissions down? The accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. Ah. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees. We cannot let the oil companies and gas companies and petrostates tell us what is permissible.
3: Now let me get in my private jet, get some jet fuel, and then fly out of here <laughs> by uh, myself. By the way, that is why when I get when I empty the lobster traps, the lobsters are cooked early because it's boiling. I That's mean,
1: why I started lobster fishing because, <laughs> because it's like, you, yeah, even in the North Atlantic, it's like being in the tropics. You see the like, I throw in. on a bikini in February. <laughs> you pull those pots out; those little guys are yeah, red as Santa Claus, and they're
3: all claws, uh, especially with you in yeah. your bikini. Yep. But I mean, what's wrong with him?
1: I I think that he knows in this conversation, no one talks about him. He's very irrelevant after AOC and Greta Thunberg and even John Kerry. No one talks about Al Gore anymore. So if he's like, okay, I'm gonna amp up the crazy about 541 percent, and then people will pay attention to me. They're not paying attention to me because they're scared. Climate hysteria doesn't work on rational people who no longer trust the statistics that you gave them 10 years ago, saying the earth wouldn't be here in 10 years. We're still here. So that stuff doesn't work. So So they have to try a different tack, and the tack should be, the earth is beautiful, let's save it, through tinkerers and entrepreneurs who will come up with innovations that don't have anything to do with government.
3: Exactly. Um, you said, I mean, I almost think he's disappointed the Earth's still here. Because it makes him look like his sh- his movie was all fiction. Yeah. That he and, got and an Emmy he, for. He
1: says things, but he doesn't back them up with any data. Like, emissions are still high. I don't believe you. I, I do not do you, believe that. Did you that. hear the
3: ozone low is healing itself? Did you see that story early this week? And, it's and we thickening again. We
1: will never hear that. But the Earth is weird. Human beings, they actually want the Earth to be better. And- They do more than they get credit for.
3: Do you remember when I called you in 1977 using my rotary phone?
1: Which was weird because I was five.
3: Right. And uh, then no wonder you didn't get on the phone because I was older. Uh, 1977, how old was I?
1: My mom was like, that's scandalous. Uh, Tell that young man to stop calling here. Why do
3: you have a 12-year-old calling you 3,000 miles away? (laughs) Uh, Because I was alarmed. I thought I'd talk to you. Uh, You'll make sense of Time Magazine's cover that said, How to Survive the Coming Ice Age. So- We survived without your help. Thank you. Uh, So now it became global warming. That didn't work. So they go climate change. So you got a tornado. You have a hurricane. You have a volcano. Climate change. Did it change? Any weather
1: event, any geothermic event, they'll go. Oh, it's it's climate change. The earth is mad.
3: Right. Uh, Who else said that? Ellen. Yeah. The other person I look to Mm -hmm. when Al Gore's busy. I go. What does Ellen think? Um, and she's up, uh, it's raining in California. Now I, this is a serious question. Is this good news at all for the drought in California?
1: Yes. It's good news for the drought. It's bad news because the state mismanages the land when there is a drought. So what happens is instead of clearing everything out, they just let things dry out. And so you've got all this dry, disgustingness that then there are wildfires because, the state, even though it's such a high-tax state, they don't keep the public utilities right. in check. And they spark, start wildfires, clears everything out. Then you have this, this these bare hillsides. So when it rains, then there's mudslides. And this is all incompetent state government. Thank you, Gavin Newsom, for wrecking everything. And he
3: never gets any discredit for it.
1: No, and he should.
3: All right. So, Kennedy, our mayor in New York City—I know you live in two places—but our mayor in New York City went down to the border— and he diagnosed the border correctly. It's a crisis, It's a disaster. And he said up to the federal government to do this. He didn't name President Biden. He did say FEMA needs more money. That's not true. Uh, he, you know we got to build it. He said people should apply. He has a six point plan in today's Washington Post, one of which was put somebody in charge of the border. Oops, we have somebody. They just don't want to run it. Number two, we have to have people apply for citizenship outside the country. We had that Remain in Mexico. Sorry about that. Um, He doesn't mention barrier, but he also says work visas. Yep, we need people to work. We have a visa program, so let's amp that up. I'd be fine with that. Or maybe
1: refine, streamline it so it's a little bit easier so people can come and go.
3: All right. Um, So what's your reaction? Do you feel good that your mayor is taking such action? Don't you think this is an opportunity for him to become a national figure?
1: Okay. I'm glad that there is a Democrat who is acknowledging that There is an immigration crisis. The federal government gets really mad at states like Arizona and Texas where they're like, we are completely overwhelmed. We cannot physically and emotionally support this number of people. It's impossible. So they have like one tiny town in Texas, uh, say Eagle Pass, has 10 times the number of migrants than New York City, which is a city of 10 million people. And in New York City's like, we can't take all these people. It's like, well, how do you think these tiny towns feel? Thank you. So, uh, yes, I'm glad about that. But also, he has a lot to deal with in New York City. It's no picnic here. I live in Manhattan. Ah. And I, I worry about my children and my friends. And sometimes it really sucks.
3: Also, don't picnic here. Uh, we don't really want any more clogging the, and you're uh, probably clogging the, the pl- I I
1: saw a guy pooping and a guy peeing just in the last week, and it was not the same guy.
3: Please don't tell me a video. Back in a moment.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Well, there's a lot of pressure now because if you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. Now I have to talk about it. Kennedy's here, said to host her show any minute now. Okay, six and a half hours.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little while.
3: All right, so I overstated it, but I want to get the sense of breaking news. Uh, first off, you, you just told me something that I don't have. I need a second source usually because you said a few things that you didn't didn't make any sense already. But this is true. You have the fourth oh, most popular podcast
4: yes.
3: uh, in Fox News, on Fox yeah. News.
1: yeah. So Fox News Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go find Kennedy Saves the World. We have a great time. Today I'm interviewing Ricky Williams, the former Heisman sure. Trophy winner. Uh, he's got a cannabis company called Heisman, spelled H-I-G-H-S-M-A-N. Right.
3: My sense is he wasn't waiting for Pac to be legalized.
1: You know what, Brian? I, I think <laughs> he might be to something here. I think right. he, he might have done a little R&D on his own.
3: Right. Uh, yes, I think he did. I remember he, he was, I hear it the greatest guy. But I remember he did a few interviews with his helmet on. Mm-hmm. That was that was a little interesting.
1: Well, you never uh, you never know when shrapnel is nearby. You don't want to take incoming.
3: Right, uh, Saints practice. Don't want
1: to. Absolutely not. Right,
3: uh, hard to tackle.
1: Exactly right.
3: Right, all right. Uh, Tom Brady coming back.
1: I hope not. I just I don't like Tom Brady.
3: No, you just Aren't don't you like. Are you a Giants him. fan? Yes.
1: Yeah, you can't like Tom Brady.
3: Why uh, Giants beat him twice in Super Bowl. Yeah. Jets so are that, the ones that shouldn't like them.
1: Oh, That's that's true. Right. Well, I don't like the Jets. How about that? You know uh, why? Because they draft uh, dum-dums from USC. So it's a bad organization. That was Sanchez. Yeah, but right. fumble.
3: And uh, Darnold.
1: Yeah, Sam Darnold. Right.
3: Darnold. Well, Darnold. Darnold. Listen, he might be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> and I don't hey. know. Right? Yep. Good athlete. No. Yeah. Not really. No. Who's on your show tonight?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I don't know yet.
3: Right? Who's not?
1: Brian Kilmeade is not on my show tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business.
3: We sh- I think there's one. Wh- I would love phone- for
1: you to be on. Every time we ask you, uh, you pick up the phone and go.
3: Right. You know I don't pick up my own phone, so you're making that up. You know that, right? <laughs> it's Pete. Right. It's Pete, whoever he is. There's a lot of mystery to this half hour. I hope I didn't lose any audience. Shock Week. Right. You are tribal. Paul DeGelder will be here. Can't wait. And what What was the first time the fight you had? What was the first fight you guys had? You don't even want to go through it again.
1: No, it was who got to ride the shark. I lost.
3: Right. Don't ride sharks. Don't think. Unless you're Aquaman.
1: Not a land animal.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are following the breaking story that Alec Baldwin's been charged, along with the armor, who you probably don't know her name, uh, been charged with involuntary manslaughter and another charge. He could uh, result in prison time. Now he's got a lawyer up and find out where we go from here, all about that rust shooting. So Alec Baldwin has been charged involuntary manslaughter in, in the death of Helena Hutchins, the assistant director um, pleads to negligence use of a deadly weapon. Uh, meanwhile, on a totally separate note, Paul DeGelder is with us now. Uh, Paul is the host of Discovery Channel's Shark Week and author of the new book Shark: Why We Need to Save the World's Most Misunderstood Predator. Hey, Paul, welcome.
12: G'day, Brian. How are you, mate?
3: Uh, good. Where are you calling from?
12: Um, actually, a shot show in Vegas.
3: Oh, you, you're in a shark show or a truck show?
12: Shot, sh- shot show. Oh. Big uh, government weapons sort of an expo in Vegas. Uh, a lot of military friends here, a lot of contractors. It's, uh, yeah, it's a free-for-all. It's pretty amazing.
3: Well, everybody knows uh, you from Shark Week and Discovery and the, what you do on television and what you've done in the past. But for now, the title of your book is intriguing. Why do we need to save the sharks to save to save the oceans?
12: Man, it's, uh, it, a lot of people don't understand. It's kind of like playing a game of Jenga. Everyone knows what that is. You remove a a couple of the bottom blocks and everything starts to get unstable. But sharks are like those blocks. They're a keystone species, is what's called an apex predator. And once you remove the apex predator from the environment... The ripple effect down through the eco-chain doesn't just stop at the carnivorous fish populations that explode because there's nothing to eat them, or the fish that they eat, which keep the reefs healthy, but it actually dominoes down onto us as humans in, in the outcome. So it's actually beneficial for us to look after the sharks, I and mean, they're just being decimated, mate. It's a, it's, you know, it's a great thing for me in my military life to transfer my role as a protector of humans to now being able to be a protector and speak up for an animal that doesn't have a voice.
7: Well, you
3: say it's got, they're unfairly labeled uh, as predators. You think they got bad, the Jaws ruined the shark.
12: <laughs> I don't know about everyone else, but I love Jaws. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the problem is human beings not being able to separate reality from fiction. That's big, more of a worry for me.
3: So what is the reality of sharks? I mean, we have a reason to fear them. Uh, men uh, and women are—you are attacked by sharks,
12: right? Well, we, we like you know, terminology is important. When I say attack, a lot of the, the majority of the time it's not an attack. It's an uh, investigatory bite, we call it. Uh, but they're not out to eat us. And if you do the comparisons, say you know, a hundred people in America today are going to die on the roads. In comparison, ten people a year are going to be killed by a shark. Yet we kill over a hundred million sharks a year. So who's the real monster here? It's not the sharks. Like I've been attacked. I have like the word attack. Yes, it tried to eat me. I actually didn't try, it actually succeeded. Uh, Took my hamstring, took my hand when I was a a Navy bomb disposal diver doing counterterrorism in Australia. And a 10 foot bull shark uh, took off my hand and my leg. So if I can understand the important role of sharks after what I've been through and then go and work with Shark Week and Discovery Channel and stand up for them, I feel like everyone else should be able to understand it the same way. And that's why I wrote this book, because I wanted everyone to not just understand, but have a, a deep Deep respect for them. Now, Steve Irwin once said, if you can teach people to love something, then they'll want to protect it. And so that's the role of the book shark.
3: So, Paul, can you tell us what happens when you lost two limbs in that shark attack.
12: Trying to get out of the water really, really quick, which <laughs> is hard when you've got one hand and one leg and you're swimming through a pool of your own blood.
3: Okay, that's because the end would lead up to the attack. <laughs> <laughs> um,
12: so I was uh, pretending to be an attack swimmer. And we were working with the R and D department of the military. They were testing new sonar, automated video equipment, and I'm really just swimming on the surface from point A to point B, uh, pretending to put a bomb on a warship. And I'm on the surface on my back in a, a black wetsuit, a pair of fins, flapping around for you know, sharks to look at like a, a injured seal, I guess. But there had never been a shark attack in Sydney Harbour in 50 years, and so even though we knew they were there, they never bothered us. So I'm just. Kicking along 7 o'clock in the morning in February 2009, and a 10-foot bull shark came up from underneath me, grabbed me by the back of my right leg and my right hand in the same bite, and decided that it wanted them more than I did. Uh, pretty, pretty horrible feeling. Um, people asked me if it hurt, and I said, well, go into your lounge room, kick your coffee table with your shin as hard as you can, and then times out by a million. And so I thought I was going to die. I accepted the fact that I was going to die because there was absolutely no way I could get out of it. It was tearing me apart. And uh, then I removed my hamstring, ripped out my hand, and my, my wet suit made me buoyant. So I popped to the surface, realizing I'm not dead, thinking, i got to get the hell out of here before another shark comes, thinking that they're going to smell all the blood. So I swam back to my safety boat where my teammates were waiting with one hand and one leg through a pool of my own blood. Um, and they kept me alive until the paramedics got there. I got my priorities in order, and I asked my mate Tomo to look after my motorbike because I don't think I'm riding home from work today. And uh, they got me into emergency surgery, and thankfully... No we you didn't know, have the best doctors, nurses, paramedics in the world, but all those people that donated blood, they saved my life as well. Three hundred donations of blood I went through, so thank you to everyone out there that donates blood. you are actually saving saving lives
3: but yet you what you learn from that is to 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 love sharks rather than hate them. I don't know how you do that.
12: <laughs> it wasn't instantaneous uh I actually didn't like sharks at all. I thought if we killed them, then we just could swim in the ocean and not have to worry about anything, and that'd be great. Uh, but because my my recovery and my attack was so highly publicised in the media in Australia, every time there was a shark interaction after that, that would come to me for a comment asking why did the shark attack? How do we stay safe? And I didn't know. And so you know, we have this wonderful thing called Google and I started to learn. I did a deep dive, and there's this uh, saying that we have, knowledge dispels fear. And so it turns out the more I learn about sharks, the more I realize how little we have to fear of them, and how much they have to fear from us. And so that kind of catapulted me into a whole new career. You know, I stayed in the Navy for three years as an instructor. Turns out I hate teaching people to do things, and I just like doing them myself. So I ended up getting out of the Navy and fell into my two greatest fears, public speaking and sharks. Uh, Now, I'm literally a public speaking shark diver. I travel America, I give motivational, inspirational presentations at conferences, and I work with sharks on Shark Week. So the more time you spend with them, the more t- the more you fall in love with them. You realize that they're not out to get you. They are beautiful, right. incredible predators that will actually let you share their space. And you can't say that about t- too many other predators in the wild. Like you can't go up and hand feed a bear because it'll probably bite your head off.
3: So Paul, you go in your show. You have a lot of celebrities on there. You had Tyson, Ronda Rousey. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
12: So what is yeah, it I like to see Rousey yesterday? He's a good man, He's six foot eight. Uh, Probably scarier than the sharks because when we're on the boat about to dive down with thirty bull shark and I'm about to teach her how to hand feed one, he looks at me and goes, "My wife don't get back on this boat. Ain't none of y'all getting back on this boat." (laughs) And she did. Oh, absolutely, she did. Yeah, same as Tyson, same as Will Smith, they all get out of the water and say that is the best experience I've ever had in my life, and I wish I could share that with everyone. But I can't, and so this book is my attempt to do that.
3: Shark, Why We Need to Save the World's Most Misunderstood Predator, uh, Paul, on, on the on sale this week. But you're not talking about that in Vegas today, are you?
12: No, today I'm catching up with all the military buddies uh, and uh, just sharing the love, spreading the story, sharing the inspiration and motivation, and having a good time.
3: So, you know, I'm on the air in Fox, right, for a while, and for yes, some sir. reason John Oliver on HBO – heard a trend in some things that I said consistently when sharks came up in the news. So we had no reason to play it, Paul, until you came out with this book. So let's play it. And now, Fox & Friends' Brian Kilmeade is definitely afraid of sharks. It's Shark Week, and we have real sharks. Need proof? That's what they look like. A great white shark could be coming to your beach. Where that shark's heading, and does he have your name on his mind? Surfers are getting eaten by sharks. Blue yeah. whales attacking kayakers. E- Wait, who's getting eaten They almost got sharks. eaten by sharks. At SeaWorld, uh, how many sharks do you have? How do you see them? Why are you not intimidated by sharks? Why are all the big creatures coming so close to shore? Don't you feel like we're getting there's way too many sharks? Why are the sharks so angry? I was down in Palm Beach last week. I saw him. Were you attacked? I was always told that sharks don't like the taste of humans. If you're ever attacked by a shark, punch him in the nose. You're supposed to punch him in the nose. We should stay out of the water as human beings until the ocean starts calming down. One word. Pool. Go in a pool and stay away from the beach. A spinner shark jumped out about 20 feet from me, just kind of at me. Is there such a thing as a spinner shark? Yeah. Jumps out of the water and kind of does a spin. Uh, So that's a little of the time sharks have come up on the show. Am I hurting your cause?
12: Brian, I'm marinating on a Shark Week title that includes kill mead and shark.
3: (laughs) Kill and kill
12: mead and Yeah, I think we need to get you out on the boat, my friend.
3: Well, I'll tell you what. You just uh, let me know. I'll see if I can work out my schedule. The problem is I don't really have any days off ever
12: (laughs) with you. Well, you know. I am a military guy. I can just kidnap you and drag you out there, and we'll take you out and put you in the water with sharks and get you over this fear.
3: I'm pretty sure I'll press charges, but I'll I'll get a signed book at the very least. (laughs) Uh, Paul, thanks so much. Uh, Go out and get Paul's book, Shark, Why We Need to Save the World's Most Misunderstood Predator. Paul, have a great time in Vegas.
12: You too, mate. Take care.
3: You got it. When we come back, I'll finish up with your calls and find out if there's indeed more to know. That was Paul DeGelder.
2: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade
3: Show. Hey, don't forget, we got One Nation. Uh, It used to feel like it was going to be six days away, then five days away. Now it's two days away. A great episode coming up at 8 o'clock. I don't want to give out too many details yet, but I know Dana Perino uh, will be on the show. And we're going to uh, finalize things today. But One Nation, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, that's coming up on Fox News Channel. We're still monitoring the situation. That's Saturday, I should say. We're still monitoring the situation as it looks like Alec bolsonaro has been charged in two accounts, including involuntary manslaughter for the shooting on the set of Rust. So just a tragedy all around. Uh, let's find out if there's more to know.
2: More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com.
3: There you go. Tom Brady, done with the Buccaneers, according to Julian Edelman, one of his best friends and finest receivers.
7: If he has another season, it's not going to be in Tampa Bay. Just because Tom's a, a businessman, Tom's a smart guy. He's going to do exactly what he did when he left New England. He's going to go to the best situation that helps him win if he wants to continue his playing career. I don't know. He'll probably sit these next two weeks and he'll, he'll, he'll hang out with his family and he'll assess the situation. I'm sure he has a routine now because he's probably been thinking about this these last three or four years on, you know, am I going to play? Am I not going to play? Right. And, uh, you know, I'll give him a call and bug him a couple times and see if he, uh, he'll he give me anything. He probably won't.
4: Well, they
3: fired the Buccaneers, their offensive coordinator already, Byron Lefwich. Initially, he was getting along great with uh, with Brady. Thought he was going to be a head coach, and now he gets fired as an offensive coordinator. One thing about Brady, he seems to clash with his coaches a lot. He's not speaking to Belichick. He got rid of Arians, according to reports. So he's got to be moving on from here. It's amazing. He has a great relationship with Bob Kraft, but not with a lot of coaches.
11: Do you think it's because he thinks he knows better, being in the like
3: in the league for so long? Or? Might be. I mean, he might just do that. Next, Eight, uh, the NHL now uh, they backfire, fire uh, fires Ivan Provorov uh, his decision is to skip the team's Pride festivity. So before the game. They just dedicated this one game, the Flyers did, to uh, Pride. It was Pride night. That was not good for pro, uh, Provorov. Uh, he did not want to wear the Pride colors, so he did not come out for the warm-ups. The NHL released a statement backing the Flyers defenseman over his decision to skip out on Tuesday night's pregame warm-ups uh, where players wore those Pride jerseys. The 26-year-old, who's Russian Orthodox, explained to the media following the game that he was elected not to, he elected not to participate because it violates his... Religion. So we have a little audio of his coach sticking up for him.
4: I respect everybody's
8: choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. With Provy, he's being true to himself and to his religion. This has to do with
0: his belief in his religion. And it's one thing I respect about Provy. He's always true to himself. Is there any consideration on your part when he chose not to wear the jersey to not play him as a result?
8: No, no. I'm not going to answer many more questions on it because I, I just think it's unfair.
3: So there you go, uh, a lot of controversy. Uh, we'll see. I don't know why hockey does all this stuff. I don't know whether to trying to be politically correct again, and it makes no sense.
11: No, I agree. Actually, I stealing this from Jimmy. Jimmy Falia said on the air today. He goes people go to like the hockey game to it. They're paying 22 bucks for a beer. They want to get away from politics, like enough. Like, just why do you have to go out there and make everything
5: some sort of statement?
3: Right. Uh, Next, Corinne Jean Pierre mistakenly refers to Kamala Harris as the president. During her press conference, listen.
5: This Sunday, the president will speak about the fight to secure women's fundamental right to reproductive health care in the face of these attacks. She will talk about what's at stake for millions of women across the country. And most importantly, the need for Congress to codify the protections of Roe into law.
3: I mean, what's wrong with her? I mean, I could see the president keeps calling her president. It's not like as if she's in charge, like Dick Cheney was doing a lot. Mike Pence was doing a lot, even though Donald Trump's an overpiring personality. Uh, but she doesn't do anything. So it's, why we, why do we keep slipping in this administration and calling her president? I
11: mean, KJP is usually so competent, so it is un- unlike her.
3: Uh, evidently, a big story by that guy, <laughs> Oliver Darcy. I know you follow these guys. Came out with his newsletter saying that all of the press is fed up with her. I read that. They're nonsense press conferences. She never says anything. So it's not just about the controversy.
11: No, you know it's bad, A, when other reporters are getting fed up with it, and B, when Oliver Darcy is writing about that because he's is-
3: The biggest apologist out there.
11: Oh, it's it's really nauseating, yes.
3: All right, uh, New Mexico's district attorney decided to announce uh, that it looks like they will charge the armor as well as Alec Baldwin on two counts each on involuntary manslaughter. That is really big news. Next, Live Golf at last as a TV deal. The new, sur- the new golfing circuit bankrolled by Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund. Uh, has signed with the CW network and its app beginning this month. Uh, Thursday, uh, the turmoil amends, uh, it's caused tremendous turmoil, as you know. The C stands for CBS, the W for Warner, has entered into a multi-year deal with Live, by uh, actually headed up by Greg Norman. The two sides jointly decide announce the deal on Thursday, one that will not see Live Golf get paid a traditional rights fee, but that the league says is a mutually financially ben- and beneficial. I know MLS did this; they say let's split the revenue. You know, let's split the production costs, let's split the revenue, let's not have a rights fee. Later, they'll charge a the rights fee, it'll be a bidding war.
11: Right, once they establish that people want to watch it. right?
3: That yeah. would be the reason. already the PGA has said, Masters, you could, the Masters has said, if you're with the Live Tour, you can play with us. How soon to the PGA is going to say, hey, you can play in the majors? Because the best player, the, some of the best players already signed with Greg Norman's league. You might be angry, but what's good for the game?
11: No, completely, and you want the competition, and the uh, PGA is sort of just looking like they were happy being the only game in town. Right. And trying to bully them out of the way.
3: Next, the TSA is breaking yet another record nationally for firearm discoveries. Five U.S. airports with the most TSA firearm discoveries are Hartsfield in Atlanta, uh, which topped the list of 448, uh, followed by Dallas-Fort Worth International, followed by Houston's George Bush to Nashville International uh, to Phoenix Sky Harbor. Did you know that people are still bringing guns to the airport? You get arrested on the spot, don't you? I
11: think in a lot of those states, though, you have the right to carry, so you might just forget that they're on you. Maybe.
3: See, as not as a gun guy, I don't know how you ever forget that you
11: have a gun on you. I don't. but you also forget your phone and things like that all the time, too. Right, right.
4: which is another reason why I shouldn't have a gun. That's very true.